Hi there. Tom D'Antoni in the coffee shop again. As always, it's World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th in Gleason for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. With me today is an Oregon Music Hall of Fame member known to all as the Boogie Cat, the best-dressed man in town, Norman Sylvester. An Oregonian since 1957, he's been playing music for almost as long as he's lived here. He's a blues and soul guitarist, singer, composer, and ambassador to the world for Northwest music. But how much do you know about him? He's got a great life story, inspiring and worth spending the whole hour with us. I ran into him at last Sunday's memorial for sweet baby James Benton, a friend of his. He played there, and when I was talking to him, I invited him to the coffee shop today, and he said yes. Sylvester, welcome to the cupping room here, World Cup Coffee and Tea. Well, thank you, Tom. It's a great honor to be here with you this morning. Always nice to see you. Yeah, well, it's, it's always a blessing to be seen, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we ran into each other at the, uh, at the tribute to Sweet Baby James Benton. Yes. Last weekend. And what, a, what a wonderful celebration that, that was. was. Something. There was so much talent in that room. Yes, yes. Jeez. I think... The who's who yeah. of Portland was there, yeah. and they they just grooved uh, for the sake of love, mm -hmm. you know, in the name of love, yep. for a great uh, musician yeah. and uh, entertainer. Yep, and just be, and because uh, because James was like that, it was. Hold on, something something happened here. Make sure we're still recording. What the hell? That's never happened before. Here we go. Okay, we're, st we're fine. I don't know what happened there. Mm -hmm. I'll tighten that up. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, so there was, there was jazz and there was blues mm -hmm. and there was soul and there was gospel, gospel because that's what he was about. Well, it, it was all infused in his music, too. You could yeah. feel it in his voice, yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, if uh, James uh, could tell us what he thought of the music that day, yeah. he would say, man, that music's so good, make you slap your mama. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had that Creole seasoning? No. There's a Creole seasoning out of, out of Louisiana called Slap Your Mama. I haven't had yeah. that yet. I got to talk to Reggie and see if I can get me a little, little container of that there. <laughs> you know who used to have it, that candle shop out on Lombard? Oh, yeah. They oh, used to I, have it. Okay, I, I'm, I'm by that candle shop every day. Well, no, they, they moved back to New Orleans. Oh, that's right, they did. Yeah. Because yeah. they were donating to our festival and they yeah. did move they out there. They were great people. They, yeah. They were, and, you know, and they would, it's a bead shop now. Yeah. Yeah. And they would. The the the, uh, the the week before Mardi Gras, they'd cook all week, mm -hmm. and then just give it away in the store on Saturday. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, you know that's that's down home people. I'm telling you, they yeah. they, they they moved back and uh, they got they they, they helped uh, her father reopen the the store, the, the Botanica. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Uh, down there, and they're doing great. Wonderful, you know, wonderful, yeah, yeah, yeah. A success story. Yes. Yeah. So anyway. Um, uh, so yeah, James would have would have loved it, I think. Well, you know, one thing about we are losing so many great ones. You know what I'm saying is that when you talk about the great ones like Janice, Linda, uh -huh. uh, James, uh, you know, BB, you know, right. you go back to Paul Delay, you know, right. just phenomenal musicians, songwriters, entertainers, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. and you know, when I was younger, you know, 
my dad mm-hmm. was putting his, his black suit or blue suit on mm-hmm. constantly for his friends, you know. Now I'm at that age yeah. where I'm doing the same thing my dad did. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I'm keeping my black suit to the front of my closet, man. It's just, yeah. you know, it's rough sometimes. It's, it's really, really rough. rough. Very rough. You know, to say goodbye to so many people, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can just, as a family, just get together and celebrate like we did for Sweet Baby, you know, yeah. and Janice and Lyndon. Yep. Just celebrate yep. their legacy, which is still with us. Yes, absolutely. You see, as absolutely. we talk yeah. and we yeah. perpetuate yeah. 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 their history and conversation about it. Well, it, there's, it, there's so much of Janice in so many musicians in this town. Man, the first time Janice Scroggins came to... Uh, my rehearsal, uh-huh. I had a, a Chicago-based uh, feeling of a blues band at the time, uh, uh-huh. a hard player. So uh-huh. Janice, I met Janice, and Rob knew Janice, and we brought her to rehearsal, and we had a trio. Uh-huh. I had 10 songs, 10 original songs that we, we thought we just knew. Uh-huh. We had them nailed down. Yeah. So Janice comes, and we set a keyboard up, and we noticed that she's just sitting there, <laughs> you know, looking at us. Uh-huh. And I said, well, we, yeah, we got some original songs that we play, and we're going to play them at the, the first uh, Rose City Blues Festival. That's the yeah. 1987. Yeah. You yeah. know, so <laughs> she said, well, you guys play them for me. Uh-huh. And we looked at each other like, she's not going to play? She said, no, <laughs> no, you guys play them the way you play them. So we struck off on our 10 numbers, played them all the way through. Yeah. And... We finished, and we, you know, of course, we was full of ourselves. We thought we killed it. It was our stuff, my yeah. stuff that I'd written. Yeah. And man, she said, "Okay, <laughs> now let's play it again." I can see, I can see you <laughs> saying that. Said, okay, now let's play it again. And so once we did that, she, we played it from the top of the set to the bottom. She added so much to that what we had already thought we had nailed. Yeah. That it brought tears to my eyes, man. And okay. Wow, yes. how come I didn't think of that? How come I didn't think of that? Oh my God, you know. And to say that is just the genius in her to take what we had and mold it and yeah. help us. And she wasn't arrogant about it. She just had the knack yeah. to help us. Yeah, yeah. And we went to the water, uh, the Rose City Blues Festival, played it. And uh, with my daughter and my two nieces, the sweet things, we call them the sweet uh-huh. things. Kenny uh, Watkins, who we call Kenny Wild on saxophone and harmonica. Ray Nelson, my brother-in-law at the time on drums. Uh-huh. And Rob Shoemaker, who's been with me forever. Yeah. And, and Janice. And we play that. We play all original, all original music except for one song. I uh-huh. played one cover song. It was Muddy Waters' Long Distance Call. Uh-huh. Okay, so... Uh-huh. About two weeks later, I get a call from uh, the promoter for a show at the Snits, which was new at wow. that time. Uh-huh. And he said, Mr. Sylvester, do you want to open? Uh, we want to know if you want to open for B.B. King <laughs> at the Snits. I said, dude, this is, this is a joke. It's really not funny. You know, come on. <laughs> he said, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. So yeah. He said, the reason we wanted you to uh, open for Mr. King is that we saw you at the Rose City Blues Festival, and you was the only cat that played all original music, and we don't think it will interfere with, interfere with B.B. set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to the Snits. <laughs> we were the first local band to play the Snits, and uh, we opened for B.B. I was working at a trucking company, so, uh-huh. you know, um, 
it was not it was my day off, so I got to <laughs> go there and play uh, open for BB. And what I did, and I realized Janice valued to me at that time. Yeah. So we play our original music for the people. And in the middle of my set, I stopped my band. We stopped a song. And I said, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to um, feature someone that I know that will just um, shine tonight. Yeah. Because she's helped my music shine. And we want to feature Miss Janice Scroggins on a solo number yeah. by herself, solo. Yeah. There like that. And we walked off the stage, and she was on that Baby Grand. Yeah. Yeah. She played I'm thinking it was Saint Louis Blues uh -huh. and segued into a Scott Joplin tune. Let me tell you something. I've told this story before, but I saw her with Reggie and Reinhardt mm -hmm. during the jazz festival about four about four or five years ago. And they were in a in a in a loud bar. They were playing there, right? right. And as they do, as they did you know, uh, it came time for Reggie to give it to, to, to Janice right. for a solo. And, I, you know, like in, in, in movies, when there's a conversation in a crowded place and they take the rest of the audio out and you can just hear the people who are talking. Right. That happened to me because she started playing Scott Joplin and everything went away. Yes. And all I could hear was Janice Scroggins playing, playing Scott Joplin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, Janice... Uh, blessed me in so many ways you know I, I would just say she was my music mentor because uh -huh. you know when uh, in 2000 you know you know I, I just decided I said you know I came to Portland in 1957 here it is 2000 yeah I've been through yeah. 25 years of trucking uh -huh. you know I'm still playing music you know and I'm doing music full time I'm going to dedicate some time to children to teaching uh -huh. children about the history of blues and gospel. Now Janice got on that with me and she helped me with ethos. Uh -huh. uh, we, uh, she was part of my recent endeavor at the Irvington Middle School uh -huh. uh, up until the time she passed. Like that's the last time I saw Janice was at an Irvington Middle School uh -huh. Multicultural Assembly. I teach songwriting as teacher support uh -huh. to sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And when I'd get a real nice song that a kid would write, that I thought needed charts, I'd run it by Janice's house and she'd write the charts out. Mm. Yeah, and follow the little kid's voice and mm -hmm. make it really sound good, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And she performed those, uh, then the kids would come in and we would record, which Rob Shoemaker and mm -hmm. I would take in the recording and the whole band mm -hmm. with LaRonda yeah. and Janice and we record the kids' songs. Huh. Mix them down, yeah. master them. Yeah. Okay, now the multicultural assembly happens and the children get to sing with the band. Ah. And we choose at least three songs. Wow. And shout to Adi, he uh -huh. teaches Ghanaian drumming to mm -hmm. that same sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Mm -hmm. So he, he'll normally have 27 drummers mm -hmm. in the multicultural show mm -hmm. and I'll have my kids singing with the band. Mm -hmm. So Janice was an integral part of that. And to show you how Janice Ken's legacy lives on, right? Mm -hmm. That that uh, new CD that she did, yeah, with Mac Michael Allen, mm -hmm. Piano Love, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she's not with me in that program anymore. Mm -hmm. But like I say, her legacy lives on, right? Right. So I get a, a special ed kid in my 
uh, songwriting class. Huh. And he wrote a song, We Need No Violence in Our World, right? And I said, what can I do with this? Because it was ha he was having trouble with the cadence of the drums and all that kind of stuff. So uh -huh. I said, this, so it should be spoken word. Uh-huh. So I said, okay. I went home and listened to all of Janice's songs uh -huh. on her Piano Love CD. And there was a song called Transformation. And we put that as a sound bed behind the young man. Oh, yeah. And oh, he yeah. read the, the words. Mm -hmm. So when he, mm -hmm. it was, we need no violence in our world. Mm -hmm. So when LaRonda, I said, here's the deal. I told my wife, I said, LaRonda should call and response his words. Mm -hmm. Okay, so mm -hmm. we had, we gave it to LaRonda. She worked out her piece. And so it starts out, we need no violence in our world. And then he starts reading. And she would answer everything, every other verse. Huh. She'd sing yeah. a phrase, uh -huh. the last sentence of the verse. Huh. Oh, man, it brings tears to your eyes. Yeah. So now Janice yeah, yeah, yeah. is still a part of right. my artist in residency. Yeah. You see what gotcha. I'm saying? Gotcha. Because gotcha. We, yeah. we can reach back uh -huh. and get that uh -huh. piece of her, you know. Uh -huh. And that's a great album, that Piano Love album. That's amazing. I couldn't say enough good stuff about her. Um, yeah. We was coming off of a Mount Hood, and my old drummer, uh, Nick Christmas, the late Nick Christmas van, he didn't tell us that his seat, being seat behind the, the, the uh, captain's chairs in the front, uh -huh. wasn't screwed down to the floor, right? Oh, so geez. Janice is sleeping back there, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we come down Mount Hood, it's in snow and ice, and he has to hit his brakes. And the equipment slipped, oh. and boom, the seat goes over. So when we get out, we all we see is Janice's feet, man. And oh she, no, <laughs> she was okay. Yeah, she was yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. but she was not happy. No, no, <laughs> she was no. not happy. <laughs> <laughs> she was happy. So he had to. It took him forever to live that down. Uh. She just, she just, but she had a sense of humor as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. Most people thought she was serious because she never smiled. I, you know what? She ne but the thing was, she never, she was, she never revealed that on stage. Except I saw it one time on stage mm -hmm. at the at the uh, 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 Silverton Wine and Jazz Festival. It was just she and Reggie, right? Yes. And she was up there telling jokes. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and she really had a. She liked a lot of the old um, blues. Um, yeah vaudeville kind of uh -huh. risque songs uh -huh. that they used to uh -huh. sing you know she used to turn me on to those would be riding <laughs> to a gig and she turned me on to you know she had a real she was a very balanced lady you know yeah. so you know yeah. Uh, yeah. like i say she's um uh, just really powerful in all right. of my music you know yeah. I, I i had down and working with benny wilson over the years you know and the great dover weinberg was in my band you uh -huh. know glenn uh -huh. holstrom played with me for a minute you know yeah we looked at how many keyboard players that had worked with the band since we started? Uh -huh. And I think the count was at 26. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> now, this was after Janice left the band and started yeah. doing, because when she really hit, you know, Paul DeLay was doing right. duos with her. Yeah. Lloyd Jones was oh, doing yeah. duos. Curtis yeah. was doing duos with mm -hmm. her. So she got really busy, and we were happy for her. So she wasn't able to work with me as much, and she just blew up and we just was hiring keyboard players yeah. ken brewer you know yeah, whoever yeah. and you know yeah. so we had a lot of piano love yeah throughout yeah. 
our. Uh, well, you're kind of like the Art Blakey of of, <laughs> of, of, of Portland band leaders because so many great people have come up through your band. Oh man, it's amazing. You, you, you know, I was just I think I was just blessed, man. When Patrick Lamb was just a kid. We had the River City Saloon up on 12th and Jefferson, right up from the Jazz Quarry. Uh-huh. And I had a jam session there, and I, this little fresh-faced kid come in there, little Patrick. <laughs> you know, I'd heard about him. And was he right, right, right up from Texas? Yeah, yeah. yeah and he was. <laughs> oh, I wanted, where did he come from? Isn't he out of uh, Mississippi? Oh, Mississippi, right? Yeah, 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 Mississippi. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we're doing love and happiness. So I walk over to him, you know, because <laughs> he's a young kid, and uh-huh. I said, "We can help him out here and just get him up here with us." jam session I said we're gonna do love and happiness uh, do you know that tag at the beginning oh he said yeah yeah I know the tag uh-huh. I said no I'm gonna give you a solo in it too okay okay cool 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 <laughs> so I get up there and you know he goes dun, 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 dun. he kills the, the tag at the uh-huh. beginning and he blows a killer solo and I'm looking at this little kid I think he's like 20 yeah. 21 maybe he's was, he at Mount, was he at Mount, at Mount Hood yeah at that then, time yeah and so I congratulate him when he finishes right I say, hey man good job you know what he said he looked at me he said thank you and I can sing it and I can sing it too <laughs> he said thank you but I can sing it too okay thank you very much so to fast forward we ended up at the candlelight cafe um 11 years on Thursday nights wow with him and um yeah. Chris Hollywood uh uh-huh. Janice in the early days, and then Frankie Redding, the funk master. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We recorded that uh, CD live at the Candlelight um, in 94, and that CD is still selling. Really? On CD Baby right now. Wow. Yeah, people still do the best you can with what you got. <laughs> Just because you ain't skinny don't mean you ain't hot. <laughs> That's a song on there, man, that I wrote. When I turned 40, because I went to Louisiana, and I, you know, I, I, I lift weights, and um, I was into karate and stuff, and uh-huh. I kept a pretty spelt body, and I went to Louisiana, and I was carrying some extra pounds, and I had, you know, you're down there, you got a khakis and yeah. cotton shirt, so I wanted to tuck it in oh. and show my, you know, physique, and yeah. I looked in the mirror, I saw a little roll around <laughs> my waist, so I untucked the shirt and just let it hang. So I wrote that, do the best you can with what you got, just because you ain't skinny don't mean you ain't hot. <laughs> From that situation, you know, you just got to yeah, yeah, roll with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you left Louisiana in 57, you were like uh, what, 11 or 12, something yeah, like that? Uh, yeah, seventh grade. Yeah. yeah I came yeah. To here to my first integrated school, which, you know, in adolescence, you know, just coming here, that transition, yeah. 2,700 miles away from... Man, man, that was huge to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. but you know, <clears throat> in my life, what's helped me survive every yeah. obstacle in my life. Is I understand. My, I understand. My family that, is that, my family. My that mom. That was that was a very very interesting time. It was because I'm from Baltimore, which was a segregated city. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and the thing about it, you know, this, I don't think this would ever happen. It wouldn't happen now, but. They just threw us all together. Mm-hmm. They didn't say one word. Said, okay, you're going to you're going you you're going to the school. There's an entirely group, a new group of people that you don't know anything about. Right. You know. Yeah. Because you know, there wasn't a lot of you know wasn't wasn't a lot of, of integration. 
Yeah, especially you know because Baltimore is a lot of, a lot of about Baltimore is, is southern, not as much as New Orleans, of course. Yeah, of course. But it must have been also a, 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 a great relief to you in a way to get out of that situation. Well, not not you know my see most people you know let you understand my grandmother uh, Lula Johnson and my grandfather Norman he had I'm, I have his name yeah he was Norman Alton Johnson Senior uh-huh. yeah. And, um, you say that with great respect. And then, yes, and then they, <laughs> they say, well, you name the boy after his granddaddy. Mm-hmm. So I ended up Norman Alton Sylvester. So um, my grandmother owned a 112-acre plantation farm. Huh. And my uncle, when he came back out of the military, he bought another farm up the road, about 120 acres. So they raised cotton, sugar cane. We had watermelons, peanut patch, uh, peas, corn. Oh, you ate good. Peach trees, pear trees. <laughs> you ate real good. Uh, muscadine grapes, <laughs> oh, mulberry man. trees, fig trees. Uh, and I, I tell my kids about it. I say, you know, I basically lived in paradise. I said because uh-huh. I could come out in the summertime and I could see um, flocks of hummingbirds yeah. around the honeysuckles yeah. on yeah. the fence row. You yeah. know, so we didn't get hit hard with the racism uh-huh. as much in Bastrop. I, I went to school in Bastrop, Louisiana, B-A-S-T-R-O-P. Uh-huh. And Where, that, what part of the state is that in? That's north, northern uh-huh. Louisiana. Yeah. If you come through Monroe, you hit uh-huh. Bastrop on 165, yeah. then Monroe, uh, uh-huh. not Monroe, Marouge, uh-huh. then Galleon, uh-huh. and then Bonita. Uh-huh. And eight miles out of Bonita is the northern Arkansas, going to uh-huh. Arkansas. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So Bonita was farm country uh-huh. and um, Southern Baptist. My uh-huh. grandmother was a mother in the church, and she also was a midwife. Uh-huh. So I didn't really, you know, have to do the yes, sir, and the yeah, no, sir, gotcha, and stuff gotcha. like that. You know, uh, Lucky because you. when we go to town, I'm with my, my grandparents, my grandmother, and my uncle. And everybody, you know, we was respectful. Yeah. But we didn't have to do the step off the sidewalk yeah. thing and all yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff. We yeah. didn't, you know, it, it wasn't happening in Marouge like that. But Good for you. Everybody kind of knew, you know, we could hear about the the other atrocities around in Arkansas, yeah. Yeah. Alabama, and all, you know, Mississippi. It was crazy, you know. So yeah. we were a little bit removed from that. So when I came to Oregon, to my disintegrated school, it was a culture shock to me, but uh-huh. my parents always told me to treat people as they treat me. Mm-hmm. And if you treat me nice, you're my friend, you know, I'm all, but if you don't treat me nice, right. I'm not going to get in your face unless you threaten me. Yeah. I'll just will move away right. from your area. Yeah. And I know that you got negative intentions and right. I don't need that. Right. So, right. you know, they said would decide whether you gonna let somebody affect your life to change your mood and attitude. Uh-huh. And I always chose to, you know, they, they also said if anyone push you in the corner, I want you to be the one to tell the story. We don't want to have someone tell the story about right. you. Yeah. So come out of the corner. Yes. <laughs> as best you can. Yes. So, you know, just to say that, you know, it's just saying stand your ground. Yeah. And be, a, yeah. be you know, yeah. be honest. And so, yeah, so that turned out pretty good. And the first time I got invited to a house for dinner 
was a German kid uh-huh. invited me, at, at Edward Alon in the eighth grade. He said, uh-huh. you know, come over to my house for dinner. Yeah. And I told my mom about it. She said, yeah, go. You know, and so, you know, that, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but I survived it, you know, yeah. and a lot yeah. of those people yeah. are still my friends to this day. I went to uh-huh. Boyce uh-huh. Elementary School for the part of the seventh grade, all of the eighth, and I graduated Jefferson class in 1963. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're lucky you had parents like that, because <laughs> I did not. <laughs> you and I had to, yeah, I, that's something I had to overcome. You had to work on that, huh? Yeah, yeah. And I did. I ended up going to Morgan State. Oh, really? <laughs> I did. Wow. <laughs> I really worked on it. <laughs> yeah, you, you did the on, the bottom, the blues. You had the blues, man. I did. Believe me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I did get to see... Uh, what racism was firsthand. Yeah, <laughs> I walk into a, walk into the class the first day and look at the look at the instructor and know I couldn't get anything more than a B. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. But it was it was a good lesson to learn. It was in my face, you know, at the courthouse and yeah, in Bastrop yeah. or yeah, and uh, certain places, you know, that was the Rose Theater in uh, Bastrop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had to go upstairs. Yeah, we couldn't go downstairs. Right. You know, right. We, we, I thought those were the best seats in the house, the balcony seats. <laughs> so I was have to go upstairs and yeah. watch, uh, uh, you know, yeah. the westerns, the cowboy yeah. movies and, yeah. Old, yeah. you know. Yeah. It, but it was a hard time, you know, and it's, uh, it's, we've come light years from there. And uh, I'm just, you know, I have grandkids and, of, co- of course, kids and yeah. grandkids. Yeah. And yeah. world's a better place. Yep. Um, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, but there, there, had to, there was a lot of work that was done. Yeah. yeah. A yeah. lot of ground broke and a lot yeah. of uh, yeah. heroes of the time. Now, coming out of that area, how much were you influenced by country music? Oh, that's all we listened to. Yeah. Okay, now yeah. what they call it, you know, and I'll say this uh, as a term of endearment, but they, they call it hillbilly music. Of course they call it hillbilly music. And uh, we yeah. didn't have um, the only... African American voices I heard over the radio. Yeah, uh, my dad uh, and his quartet used to sing over the radio out of Monroe, Louisiana, on Sunday morning. Huh. You couldn't get the station. A, you couldn't get the station from Memphis. Pardon? You couldn't get couldn't get that station from Memphis. No. That's a shame. So we heard uh, Marty Robbins. Yeah. Hank Williams Senior. Sure. sure. You know those kind of uh, Gene Autry. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 Goodbye Joe. That song, Goodbye Joe, man. That was, hey, my grandmother loved Goodbye Joe. She's just, and I learned it. Uh-huh. And I, people would come over for dinner and stuff. She said, baby, they call me baby brother because uh-huh. I was the only uh, boy in the family at the time and a lot of girls. So uh, I have to come out and sing Goodbye Joe for the folks. <laughs> you know, acapella, <laughs> Goodbye Joe. Yes, indeed. But I was, I was, I wasn't really spoiled, but. Uh-huh. It was so many women around I had, you know, that I was blessed to learn everything I needed to know yeah. about that because, my, like I said, my grandmother was a midwife, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I was just had that whole female thing around me all the time. If you were the baby, you had to be spoiled. Come yeah, on. baby brother, <laughs> you know. And my sister, you know, Catherine, it was just the two of us, and... Uh, it, it was when we came out here. It was my mm-hmm. mom, my uh-huh. father, uh-huh. and my sister and I. And uh-huh. She's two years older than me, and that was 1957. We just took family photos 
last year mm -hmm. of all the bloodline. Yeah. And there's close to 30 of us now. Wow. Since that time. Jeez. You know, so yeah. with grandkids and nieces and nephews yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. it was a beautiful thing to see that um, my parents bought a house on Ninth and Going in 1959 for $9,000 uh, for a duplex with an extra lot on the corner. Don't you wish you had that now? <laughs> we do have it. You do? We kept it in the family. Jeez. When my dad passed in 1999 and my uh, mom passed in 2001, which the hole is still in my heart from both of those passings, yeah. uh, we kept that house and our family, uh, we were wow. blessed to be able to do that. but. In Louisiana, we met at my grandmother's house, uh -huh. the family always gathered. When we got to Oregon and we bought that house, my mother had a tradition where we gathered there for birthdays and Easter and special holidays. So as a um, uh, tribute to my mom and dad's legacy, we still do that. We do New Year's Day with mm -hmm. the black eyed peas mm -hmm. and the gumbo mm -hmm. and the rice and the mm -hmm. cornbread, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and okra. Mm -hmm. You know, start out with a meat, uh, sheep meal. You I know. could eat that every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we do a lot of the old traditions uh -huh. um, that we did down home, and we continue that. My dad, that was a tradition that I still carry on. Uh -huh. My dad would dress up on New Year's Day, uh -huh. first thing in the morning. And the old southern thing was, I don't know if you ever heard of it, is that the first one through your door on the New Year's, a prosperous male should walk through your door. Wow. Okay, so my dad, 7 o'clock in the morning, I just got off a gig. Yeah. On New Year's <laughs> Day, yeah. my dad knocked at my door. He'd come in, <laughs> sit down, and give me a big hug, and it's supposed to be for the blessings of the year and luck. Yeah. And then he'd go to my sister's home. <laughs> do the same thing to them. Uh -huh. I got two other sisters since I've been here, so yeah. three sisters all total. So when he passed, I do that. Do you? So now, yeah. but when he did it, we were all in the neighborhood. Yeah. So now I, I do a New Year's Eve gig. <laughs> I stay, basically stay sleep, and I get up and go to my sister's homes in my suit yeah. dress up, yeah. you know, and yeah. I go and I go knock on their door and go in and visit with them and uh, do that same tradition that my dad did mm -hmm. the prosperous mail through the front door That's on great. New Year's. Well, what a one great of my tradition. moved to Gresham. I said, what you move to Gresham for? <laughs> 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 it's a long drive. <laughs> but I drove to, I drive to Gresham and, and wish her, you know, Happy New Year for, for blessing and luck as well. What a wonderful tradition. Yeah, just keeping on. I told one of my sons, uh, Norman Jr., he's 32, and Anthony, who's going off to uh, college uh, in August, he's uh, going to Pomona in Claremont. Uh -huh. And uh, so one of you guys going to have to take up that tradition when something happens to me. You know? yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. so I'm going to pass the torch. That's good. You know, That's but the good. thing about that is that you know, we talk about the legacies and how much people mean to you. Mm -hmm. My dad <clears throat> had to talk with me. You know, that man, father, mm -hmm. son talk mm -hmm. to where we were barbecuing. And, he, you know, he's up in age, retired, and he's peeping around to see if the ladies, he said, all them ladies go in the house shed. I said, yeah, man. They all in the house. What you talking about? What, what's going on? Well, I, we, you, you and I need to talk. Um, if uh, you get a call and, and dad is down and you got to come running mm -hmm. and things are not looking good, 
I want you to know that dad loved all you guys and huh. I've done everything for the love of my family and I'm okay with the departure whenever it happens. Huh. And so when he passed and we were there, we just we were all the family was there, he was at Providence and we all was talking to him as he was mm -hmm. passing, you mm -hmm. know, because mm -hmm. he he dedicated his life to all of us. And but my mom left and I couldn't get there in time. Oh, jeez. You see. Yeah. So that hole was like, oh, my God, you know. And I just, you know, that, those departures like that, it's just, it makes you stronger. But then you look back and say, you know, they really prepared me for this when they was raising me by yeah. the love they gave me. Yeah. And how they made me feel, the strength that they gave me to survive the sorrow. That's mm -hmm. what that was all about. Uh -huh. So, you know, that's, we look at losing uh, all the folks we're losing here back to that original conversation. Uh -huh. And through that whole thing is that the strength of love that they gave us yeah. Yeah. through their honest gift of just being your friend yeah. and being the same person 24-7 every time you talk to them, uh -huh. that true friendship, that gives you the strength to survive the sorrow, you know. Yeah. And, you know, give me strength every time I think about Janice to know that she would give me that that look if I hit a wrong chord. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to look. No. <laughs> I want to look. You know, roll up. Yeah, okay. And, okay, I got you, but don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so when you came up here, were you playing music? Nope. No, sir. When, when did that start? That started, my dad bought me a guitar. Uh -huh. H&B Pawn Shop for $11.95. <laughs> like nope. Acoustic. Uh -huh. Acoustic little blonde guitar. I still have it. Uh -huh. And he said, if, if you learn three songs on this guitar, I'll buy you an electric. Uh -huh. So I met Isaac Scott. Mm -hmm. You know, the great wow. Isaac Scott, sure. the late Isaac Scott. Yeah. Playing in church at Faith Tabernacle Church, which was the Osborne family that just moved here from California. Danny Osborne's father... Reverend Osborne, mm -hmm. uh, Isaac was playing guitar for the uh, Osborne singers, mm -hmm. and I fell in love with him because I said, wait a minute, it was a sanctified church. Yeah. I said, ain't that Freddie King, San Jose, he playing up there on that? <laughs> 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 and the tambourines was going, I said, come on, that's, that's Freddie King. <laughs> so I struck up a friendship with him, and he... Now, how old he, were you then? Uh, I was a freshman in high school. Okay. Yeah. So we um, we struck up a friendship, and he had a, two electric guitars. He had an old silver tone uh -huh. guitar that kind of had the case with the guitar and the amplifier in the case, a uh -huh. little folding case, and then yeah. he had another guitar. So he taught me um, Hideaway uh -huh. and uh, Chicken Shack. Oh, yeah. And, you know. Uh, you mean that? Chicken Shack, which, which? Oh, yeah, yeah. He taught me that, and I played that for my dad, and he got me uh, a guitar, an electric guitar. You know how what it was? It was a mail order. Really? Guitar from, yeah. not Spiegel's, Alden's, Alden's catalog, uh -huh. mail order. And it was a guitar and an amplifier for uh, $99. You must have been awful happy when I when that, when that oh arrived. Oh my God! It was black with <laughs> yeah. white trim on it. And what happened was, Isaac and I, my senior year, um, Isaac was at Jefferson. He and I would go up to Jefferson, uh -huh. and we had these little amplifiers and guitars, and we 
go in front of the, uh, in the atrium, uh, the mm -hmm. lobby in front of the auditorium, mm -hmm. and we play the blues ah. as the kids was coming into school. Wow. And then we go put our guitars and amps in the closet, in the uh, lockers. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. We, yeah. we did that for quite a while. And <laughs> I, was, I played my first gigs with Isaac Scott. We ended up working together after we graduated uh, at the Monoma Hotel, uh -huh. downtown Portland, which was a sister hotel to the Benson. Uh -huh. We worked there. I was in the storeroom, and he was watching, washing pots. And we huh. uh, played um, for a couple of gigs at the hotel. And I started raising a family. I got married when I was uh, 20. I uh -huh. uh, got drunk on my 21st birthday. Uh, I think I was drinking 151 out of a German Stein kind of thing <laughs> with a flipper top. <laughs> And I woke up at 25, I had four kids. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, oh, I always say that. But I have four beautiful daughters by the time I was 25. Wow. So I started working at PIE in 1968. At the trucking company? No, uh, trucking. Trucking. Did you, did you drive? No, no. I, okay. I, after high school, doing the whole learning the guitar thing, I mm -hmm. uh, went to a trade school for two and a half years and got my uh, certificate in heavy-duty equipment mechanic wow. and a certification in uh, settling and arc welding. Jeez. And I tried to get into the apprenticeship program, but it was so packed. Everybody was trying to be apprentices. Yeah. So I couldn't get into that. I got a job at uh, Goodyear Rub and Supply, mm -hmm. which was a conveyor belt company. So I was a helper to this guy that spliced conveyor belts huh. at Crown Cellar Bag. Yeah. And, um, all around the Northwest, we'd travel around and we'd go to these sawmills and paper mills and we'd fix conveyor belts. Huh. So he left the company, they gave me the job, and then I was doing some splicing, field splicing uh -huh. of a conveyor belts, you know, the ones that take the, the paper, the pulp paper and uh -huh. up and all the sawmills and all that stuff. So uh -huh. I'd go in and the mill rights would set me up and I'd vulcanize the belt at three o'clock in the morning but they wouldn't pay it was non-union job oh so i heard about pie was hiring and i went down and put in an application on swan island pie which mm -hmm. is pacific and mountain express yeah and um, the <clears throat> guy said oh yeah man we got a job for you um and his his wage that he that's awful good me. to hear that to hear those words you know well, that. <laughs> yeah but it was the wage was double what i was making wow so when I went back and told Goodyear Rubbing Supply, I got a job, dude. They said, we can give you a raise, man, if you stay here. I <laughs> said, how much? They told me what it was. I said, no, you still can't beat that guy. So <laughs> I had to leave, and I went over and yeah. to PIE. I worked in the pit waiting for the um, uh, apprenticeship program, greasing trucks. I did tires. I steam cleaned tanker trucks. Uh -huh. I did ICC, Interstate Commerce Commission, inspection on trailers off the road and then after 12 years that was opening in the parts department i applied for that got in the parts department and worked in the parts department until i left there and when i left pie in 1990 when the truck the trucking company went broke i was the purchasing agent wow i'd work my way all the way up to yeah. the purchasing agent but and you were gigging the whole time gigging it still the whole time wow. I went through about four bands the first wow. band my first recording was 1969 uh -huh. uh, in Van Coe Records I recorded a, a vinyl with a soul band called Rated X mm -hmm. and it was a <clears throat> seven 
eight-piece soul band, two horns, female vocalist, uh, percussionist. Who did you sound like? Then, at that time, I hadn't really got into a groove. We was playing soul stuff. Uh-huh. I hadn't found myself really. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we just was doing straight up. We got our set list from the back of Jet Magazine. Yeah. The top ten songs in Jet Magazine for that wow. month, we'd run at least five of them. Wow. And we'd go out, because it was happening. What was one? Shoot. In those days, whatever came out, man. Yeah. If it was Johnny Taylor's okay. Disco Lady, oh, we learned Disco go. Lady. If it was Isaac Hayes' Shaft, yeah. we yeah. learned Shaft. Whatever uh-huh. was out there, we... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, when Cool and the Gang came out, we learned yeah. Ladies' Night, everything. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Brick House, when it came out, we was doing that. So whatever... Superstition came out. We learned that. Yeah, so, yeah. But what was happening? It was Afro American clubs. We was playing mostly. Yeah, yeah. And they loved those songs. Of course. So sometimes you get twenty dollars tips <laughs> to play that song three times. <laughs> so that would take up a lot of the night. You yes. Know? yes. How many more times would you like me to play this? <laughs> yeah. How many more times do you want me to play this? So I'll, know, I'll keep playing it all night. You keep you keep flashing that green. Yeah. So what happened was I would get get home. Uh, it was like that. Um, Bobby Womack song Daylight uh-huh. you know uh-huh. uh, most people are getting up when I'm just getting in yes but when I was just getting in I had to get my lunch pail oh jeez go down to PIE uh. well when I opened for BB in 87 yeah the next day uh-huh. I'm down on Swan Island man. wow wow I was up here yeah <laughs> real jeez. world wow you yeah, know yeah. But, oh yeah I do know <laughs> you know that family you, you've been through that you know you oh, have yeah. to make those choices absolutely man. yeah yeah because it was man. a union job I had health uh-huh. and welfare for my kids dental yeah. vision yeah and I had a pension uh-huh which I'm drawing right now good for you you see so yeah it's a win-win situation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but a lot of times well, I you mean, get the pension and the social security and the social security and you're gigging man I'm gonna tell you, you got what, it it's a dream you, you got it's it a, a retired man's dream but when I first started PIE Tom the first year, I was a low man on the totem pole. Uh-huh. I worked outside yeah. doing ICC regulations, oh, trailers, off the road. Yeah. Guess what? Sometimes they come in off of Mount Hood or uh-huh. somewhere. I couldn't even see the axle. with so much snow and ice. Wow. It was so cold out there. My, yeah. You know, sometimes I cried. I'd be out there. I'd be so cold. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was yeah. an older guy, uh, J.P. Trotter. He was on the wash rack. He worked on steam tr- cleaning trucks. Mm-hmm. I had rubber boots on with safety toes. Mm. So, Mr. Trotter, I had a, one of those little those little jitneys that you see pulling the airplanes around and the luggage things out at the airport. Mm-hmm. I had one of those that I drove around the yard, but it was set up to check the lights yeah. um, and uh, grease yeah. the trailers. And, and yeah. that kind of weather is so cold, you couldn't grease, get grease to flow. Wow. So, Mr. Trotter would heat me up a five-gallon bucket of hot water. So I'm driving around. I'm, I'm getting cold. And he waved me down. Sylvester, come on in, man. And I go over. And I take my feet in the rubber boots uh-huh. and stick it down in that, those buckets of hot water. Oh, I sit there for a minute and warm my feet up. Uh-huh. Then I'd go back uh-huh. out. For, uh-huh. for, for the first five years at PIE, I never got a holiday off. I worked New Year's Eve. And everything, man. The mm. only thing that kept my name out there was Lloyd Jones. Really? What happened was Lloyd was playing White Eagle. Uh-huh. And I'd go down. I was working graveyard shift. Yeah. For five years, this one run. I'd go down and sit in with Lloyd. Lloyd would get off the guitar on his first set. Yeah. Go play drums. <laughs> 
Mike Cross would come up, play guitar with me. Uh-huh. I'd play the first set, wave bye-bye, and run and punch the clock down at PIE. Oh, so it wow. really helped me yeah. a lot. Oh, and sure. What sure. really boosted me was um, that first 80, 1987 Waterfront Blues in the B.B. King show. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. the events magazine wrote me up, um, uh, Mark Gofart. And uh-huh. then uh, uh, I got written up in Downtowner uh-huh. in Oregonia. So uh-huh. those articles yeah. kind of made me solid, yeah. kept me on their mind. Right. So right. when the trucking company went broke in 1990, uh-huh. it had been bought out about three times and uh-huh. liquidated. And yeah. Chapter 11, Chapter 11, Chapter 7, yeah. 8,000 people out of work. Oh, boy. Deregulation of trucking had just hit hard. Yeah. Reagan had uh, busted the air controllers. Everything fell apart. Uh-huh. So I went through, and I'll, I can never say enough about the um, uh, Dislocated Workers Program. Uh-huh. They um, helped me through, retrained me to interview uh, computers. Huh. You know, because I was at age, I hadn't hadn't been in the job market. Right. You know, so I went through that, and they, and the guys and the ladies that was helping me said, "Well, what are you going to do with all this? You know, that we're doing, uh, giving you this knowledge and stuff." I said, "Well, basically, don't want to punch the clock ever again in my life. Yeah, I want to be self-employed." <clears throat> right. So mm-hmm. I decided to play music full time in 1990, and my first major gig in 1991 was to open for BB King and Buddy Guy. Hey. Who's that? That's John Mazzocco. Oh, it is. I, mean, I can't recognize him. So uh, I opened for B.B. John Mazzocco just stuck just his head in the door B. here yeah. at the coffee shop. I opened for B.B. King and yeah. uh, Buddy Guy okay, let me ask you something. Alton Baker uh, in the uh, amphitheater in, in Eugene. When you, oh, when you opened for B.B. at the Schnitz, mm-hmm. was, was, was Tony Coleman in that band? Do you know? Was he, was he, was he drumming no. for B.B. then? No. No, okay. No. All right. No. Um, and I, I told the um, promoter, mm-hmm. give me 90 minutes. You know, that's not an opening act. I said, you yeah. sure I'm not playing too much? Uh-huh. He said, no, Norman, because I was playing Taylor's at the time. So I was pretty valuable in yeah. Eugene. Yeah. So he said, Norman, it's the way it breaks down. You got 90 minutes, Buddy got 90 minutes, and Woo. BB's got 90 minutes. Woo. I said, you serious, dude? So they put us up at the uh, Eugene Hilton. Uh-huh. You know, a, I mean, I, that was when I first decided to play yeah. full time. That was yeah. my first yeah. major. And you're going, I could get used to this. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and that, then I hit Coco Tail open for Coco. Yeah, open for James Cotton twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Cotton and Tower Power. Mm-hmm. You know, and James just, is still out there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He had a great record about a year ago. Of course, he, he, he can't sing anymore. Yeah, he's got that singer. Yeah. Yeah, Rob yeah. went to see him, I think, at the uh-huh. uh, Aladdin when he was here. And yeah, He yeah, wasn't yeah. singing, but he said that the singer was really he's good. He's still playing. Yeah. yeah. He's still out there. But Then, you know, we, uh, Otis Clay, uh-huh. a, lot of, a lot of gigs for Otis Clay, Little Ed and the Imperials, when oh, they yeah, first I, got I, signed I, by I Alligator. Them. I remember them. And yeah, I really found yeah. out what On the Road was like. Oh. Little Ed came into Key Largo. Yeah. So they come in. They pulling the interstation wagon, pulling a horse trailer. Oh, geez! <laughs> Just came out of Canada, oh, out, of, man. out of Washington, come through, <laughs> out of Seattle. And so, what was really so cool was when they got there, and they did a sound check. We had did, did our sound check. Yeah, they sounded so good. 
it was like it was the concert. They were that tight. <laughs> wow, yeah. When they did yeah, the sound check. Yeah, yeah. So Ed comes over to me, you know, his bass player, Pookie, uh-huh. the bass player came over, say, hey, Sylvester, say, uh, where can we get some clothes? I said, get some clothes? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Get some clothes. He said, we left our laundry in the washing, oh. the, the laundromat up in Seattle. Oh, jeez. Went back up to the hotel room. We came back, it was gone. Oh. So... We steered him to Kmart at the time, you know. Say, well, there's a Kmart out here, and we told him about it. So, the show, when we get to do the show that night at Key Largo, Ed is in a pair of jeans, right? Uh-huh. You know, he's a little guy. Yeah. The jeans were too long for him. Oh, so, no. he had turned them up. He had a cuff of about <laughs> seven inches. <laughs> you could have carried a gallon of water in his cuff, you know, but, but he burned it. You know, and they yeah, had CDs yeah. in that horse trailer, their gear, yeah. and they was on the road, yeah. and they was going to Lewiston, Idaho, they yeah. was going all over and that, everywhere, California and all. Speaking of clothes, mm-hmm. you are known for your outfits. <laughs> now, has it always been that way? I've always dressed, even uh, uh-huh. in high school. Uh, my high school picture, I, I bought a red blazer and had the Jefferson High School insignia. <laughs> Uh, sewed on the pocket. Uh-huh. Uh, my buddy Tommy Thompson and I, he went off to Nam, Vietnam, and mm-hmm. I lost him uh, and, um, here in Portland when he came back home uh, yeah. through the fast life. And mm-hmm. So he and I dressed. Yeah. But my uncles uh-huh. and my dad, yeah. my dad would come back to Louisiana when he was, you know, he, he moved out here first in uh-huh. 52. He didn't send for us until 57. He'd come home, he'd be in a, a lace blue um, shirt with cream pants uh-huh. and blue and white shoes. Or cream pants with um, cowhide spats. Whoa. You know what I'm saying? My uncle, yeah. Because the people worked hard. Yeah. And yeah. The, 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 what they said was, when you dress up on the weekend, if you don't have but $5 in your pocket, Look like you got five thousand. Absolutely. So absolutely. I was absolutely. blessed now yeah. Yeah. with my wife Paula, uh-huh. who, back in the day in her previous life she worked retail, uh-huh. so she can find a deal <laughs> anywhere. She, these suits don't cost that, you know. What, she, all right, we got to we got to know the answer. Where do you get them? They are anywhere. She gets gets them at Burlington. Uh-huh. Here and there, she, you yeah. know, we just bought, went to Goodwill and found a blue suit. I understand. That's at the tailor shop right now trying yeah. to get ready for the summer. Yeah. Royal yeah. blue. Yeah. Yeah. And we just, she just finds those deals, man. <laughs> and it's birthday, Father's Day, whatever. It's a new suit, this blue suit, these. Now, the spats. Uh-huh. I buy these online. There. I buy these online. I got the yeah. red ones. Yeah. Red and white, blue and white. Yeah. Yeah. But... M- who was that? I'm, I'm trying to think of what Blue Sky told me. He says, Norman, if you're standing in the bathroom on your break mm-hmm. and somebody's just washing their hands and look at you and tell you how good the band sound and don't know you was in the band, <laughs> you're not dressed good enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know what Leon Redbone told me one time? He said, I was doing an interview and he says, a man's not dressed unless he's got a nice hat. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Most people think I'm bald-headed because I wear hats all the time. <laughs> you know, I get that all the time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm never without a hat. You always got a yeah. pork pie Here's hat a, I, on. I, 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 was, I get mine at Meyer the Hatters in New Orleans. Look, look what they put inside. They put a, a little thing inside that goes, like hell it's yours. This hat belongs to blue. And that's where you're supposed to write your name in. Oh, that's nice. Isn't that good? That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, you so, always wear a nice hat. So somebody says, I, I, if I saw somebody with that hat on, I go, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Let me see the inside of that hat. <laughs> oh, you can know it's your hat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I love you know hats. What, you know what? And this, this this happens sometimes. Ever had a guy offer you money for your hat? Hmm? Ever had a guy offer you money oh, for your hat? Oh. Happens all the time, doesn't it? I played a country club. <laughs> only, me, only men who wear hats know that. And on top of that, it was money I should have taken. <laughs> you know, but I said, oh, I ain't giving up my hat. Well, what I get more than anything is people want to snatch my hat off my head and wear it. Oh, and yeah. Take a photo. Yeah. And stuff like that. W- that women always want to do that. They want to do that. They yeah. do. And I, you got to let them. Yeah, you got to let them. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, the, the fans, you know, that's your family, your extended family. You got to say, okay, Absolutely you got to smile. Because right. now they don't understand. Yeah. You got hat hair. Oh, I know. You stand up there. You got hat hair. You're not looking as good as you did with uh, with the hat on. They're looking great, yeah. but now you got the big old matted down hat hair, you know, and you standing there. And they say, "Let's take a picture." Well, you got my hat. Well, get, get my okay, hat so back. Get my hat back. <laughs> but it's you know you know it's it's a lot of fun in the nightclubs. I as a player, I consider myself living a dream. Uh, I'm grandfather, you know. Uh, I'm retired, mm-hmm. got pension coming in like Social Security. My health is good. I've been through four hip surgeries wow. in my life and uh, survived. You know, yeah. still got yeah. debt from the first hip surgery, but hip surgery is a $92,000, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, but I'm not complaining. Um, not, I'm playing the blues, but I try not to live it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I just like to be around the community I I visit elders. I we play a free concert uh-huh. at the Marquee Assisted Living Home. Uh-huh. Uh, when Mel Solomon was alive, we did it because he was there, and we wanted him to come out and sing with the band yeah. on the parking lot. Yeah. So yeah. he passed away two years ago. We continued the festival. Yeah. So now they bring all the residents outside to the lot. Yeah. And we play music for them, mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. a lot of those elderly. They might have been church people, but they went to music at one time. Right. But for music right. to come to them yeah. is probably better medicine than they've taken and the from most the amazing, doctor. And the most amazing thing about Alzheimer's is, I had a friend of mine who was a music therapist. Mm-hmm. They might not recognize their own son, right? but they know the words to Won't You Come Home, Bill mm-hmm. Bailey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a Caledonia. Yeah. 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 So, you yeah. know, we, we reached back. I fell in love with writing songs from um, mm-hmm. the Renaissance of Harlem. I fell in love mm-hmm. with Langston Hughes writing. Yeah, yeah. And he was writing the uh, the street stuff. Yeah. And I actually yeah. started writing about the transition the trucking company was going through. Mm-hmm. And that was breaking my heart because I could see my income going away. And yeah. I started writing the bottom line about that. Yeah. You yeah. know, the, that song I wrote... Um, <clears throat> A piece of the action. That's when we took our first stock investment cut mm-hmm. to keep our jobs. You can pay this much money on yeah. stock, yeah. and you'll keep your job. Yeah. And I got this one song called "Piece of the Action," where I say I drove to Salem, Oregon, yeah. to talk to my congressman about the state of my bank account. Yeah. 
and it says, I saw my congressman get out of the limousine. Big smile was on his face. He was looking mighty clean. He walked right by me. I grabbed him by his arm. I said, you living mighty good, my friend. Why don't you give the people some? The criminals are getting rich. The rich is getting rich, richer, too. Middle-class America doing nothing but singing the blues. Yeah. I don't mean no disrespect. That's all I can take. I'm tired of licking the frosting. I want the whole damn cake. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I do that song, I have the audience say, I want the whole damn cake. You yeah. Know? And so do you, do you have are, are, you have any recording projects? in the, uh, You know, coming? I got to get back in the studio. I have yeah. uh, a song I wrote. Uh-huh. In honor of Janice, called Ebony and Ivory oh. Keys. Oh, I we, did it at the waterfront. To, we need to hear that. Yeah, I did it at yeah. the waterfront last year, yeah. and I couldn't yeah. hardly get through the song. I'm sure. You know, because I'm still dealing with that sorrow. Yes. And yes. Um, I have a few other songs in the can. So, yeah, we're going to go back in the studio. Good. Because, you know, as Good. I get older, you know, how can you? I'm 70 now, uh-huh. and, you know, I feel great. And, you know, I try to stay in the gym and live healthy. I saw that picture of you on Facebook working out. Yeah. We, <laughs> I had my wife take that yesterday. Uh, and, you know, but sometimes I get so busy, mm-hmm. I can't get to the gym. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, yeah. I do work out at home. I, I love yard work. Uh-huh. Like I manicured my yard yesterday, got dirt under my fingernails. I felt like a human being. Like I'm a country boy. Yeah. Yeah. I work. I, I actually pick cotton. Wow. I chopped cotton. Jeez. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. I worked yeah. hard. I I swept a dirt yard. It was clay dirt uh-huh. in the yard. It uh-huh. wasn't grass. Yeah. But inside the fence in the yard, the chickens could run free. Uh-huh. Right? So in the morning, after the chickens had did what they do in a yard, yes. <laughs> my sister and I had to go out and sweep the dirt. Uh. You sweeping dirt. Yeah, you hear what I understand. <laughs> I understand. If you told a kid nowadays to go sweep some dirt, well, <laughs> so one of He'd my hand other, you the broom back. One of my other jobs on the farm was to get up in the morning and wake up the rooster. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the rooster was supposed to wake you up. <laughs> That's what I thought too. That's why we sing that little red rooster song. Yes. You know? <laughs> you wake up, rooster! It's time to go to work. Well, we could stay here all day like yes. this, but I really appreciate you coming in and, and spending time and, and spinning these tales. And, yeah. uh, we, you know, I'm, we're all glad you're still out there. And, uh, and uh, I'm going to play that. I got the, I got the, uh, the, the LP mm-hmm. from the Rose City, Jazz, uh, Rose City Blues Festival. Yes. I'm going to play that on my show Friday night. Oh, beautiful. I'm going to play your track. Beautiful, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, Tom, all you do with the Oregon Music News and stuff, I remember when you guys launched this. Yeah. I was playing over there on Hawthorne, and you had the launching party. And mm-hmm. it's just wonderful that you feature um, the, the local talent like you do, man, because, you know, we got a lot of great music in Portland. Sure a do. A lot of great. Sure do. If we left anything with the fans out there is to support the local musicians, man. Yeah. Go out yeah. and buy a dinner and um, drop some in the tip jar and you ain't got to stay all night, but just come in and say hello. Absolutely. Yeah, and support that live music and yeah. keep this this art form going because it's a historical thing. All right. Keep it history. Well, I'll see you on down the road. Thanks I a lot. I love you, man. Okay, love you Thank too. You. All right. Meow, meow from the boogie cat. <laughs>